This week on This Worlds, we are discussing two vampire films from the 1980s, 1987's Near Dark, and before that, we're going to talk about a movie... Hold, hold on. Who is that? Who is that? And who invited him in? Hello. This is Chris Sarandon, sometimes known as Jerry Dandridge from Fright Night. And I want to thank Brett, David, and Alan of the Swearbulbs for inviting me in. I may just drop by anytime I feel like it if they don't give Fright Night a strong Pamela Voorhees heads rating. Just so you know, guys, I'm going to welcome you to Fright Night. For real. Swearwolves Horror Podcast, the podcast that discusses all things horror. I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. And gentlemen, this week, we are back yet again, together but separate. <laughs> separate <laughs> but equal. <laughs> well, let's not, let's not get crazy. <laughs> yes, I'm far greater. Uh, you guys doing all right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Getting yeah. used to this whole uh, recording the podcast through Skype. It's getting less weird every week, at least for me. It is getting... It is getting less weird, however, when I listen to the podcast, because I, I do listen back to it after after it's done being edited and everything. And I'm like, I miss the days of like good quality audio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that part sucks. <laughs> only uh only David's audio is like really like crisp. <laughs> but because we are uh discussing two vampire films this week, I decided that it would be a good time to pull in one of our faithful listeners, she is one of the most beautiful listeners we have, too, if not the be- most beautiful listener we have, and my better half, and that is Christina. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for nervous. Uh, don't be nervous. Just say what you think, and if you say something wrong, David can just edit it out, because I ask him to do that all the time. Yep, <laughs> yeah, so like, edit that shit out. <laughs> yeah, they they got a special edit button just for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, welcome, Christina. Now, Christina, you are a big fan of vampires. Yes. And that's kind of like your go-to when you talk about horror movies, right? Like, that's that's the genre that you like. Yeah, it's my favorite genre. Yeah. Yeah. So I figured it would be a good time. She's been wanting to be on the podcast and i wanted her as a guest on the podcast but it just never worked out in fact she was really pissed off that i didn't invite her for the lost boys episode <laughs> that's like that's, that's like, like one you... of my favorites uh, yeah don't cry little sister we got you <laughs> <laughs> so instead i just started playing a saxophone shirt <laughs> yes <laughs> and, and thrust i still believe <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's when i was served papers um <laughs> But I quickly, I quickly uh, de-escalated the situation. Um, so, 
this week we're going to discuss two uh, vampire films from the 80s. Now, there was a little bit of a resurgence of vampire movies uh, about this time. Well, actually, I think it was after Fright Night. It got kind of a, a little uptick in vampire movies. Uh, you got Life Force came out also in 85. Uh, which is a film that we've discussed before. That's the space vampire movie that Toby Hooper did. You got uh, Lost Boys a couple years later. Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. I consider that a vampire film. Um, and there was a, there was a slew of others, but there was also uh, Near Dark, which is the second film we're going to be talking about today. So Fright Night and Near Dark. And uh, David, you pick these movies. Any reason, or just because they were two vampire flicks from the 80s? <laughs> yeah, two vampire movies. They're also two that I've been wanting to discuss on the show for quite a while, so it seemed like a good, good enough time as any to go ahead and pair them. Had you, uh, had you seen both of these films before, David? Yeah, I've seen Fright Night a bunch of times, um, and then I've seen, this was probably maybe my third time seeing Near Dark. Okay. Alan, I'm assuming you've seen Fright Night before, but had you seen Near Dark? No, I had never seen Near Dark. No. Uh, neither had I, uh, Christina, had you ever heard or seen a near dark before? No, I've never even heard of it. Yeah. So kind of a lesser known film, oddly, because we'll, we'll get to some stuff about like the cast and, and the making of it, but, uh, kind of a, kind of a bigger names mm-hmm. or in that, yeah. uh, rather than Fright Night. But let's talk about Fright Night first, because chronologically it comes first, 1985, uh, written and directed by Tom Holland. I believe this was his directorial debut. Yep, it was. Um, Tom Holland, at this time uh, in his career, uh, was quite a big name as far as a screenwriter goes. He was actually working on the script for the movie Cloak and Dagger. Did you guys ever see that movie? Mm-mm. I've heard of it. You never saw You never saw Cloak and Dagger? No. Oh, my gosh. Oh. It's a favorite of mine. Really? Yeah. Favorite. Yeah, growing up, like I saw that movie in the theater. Actually, Dabney Coleman and Henry Thomas. You had me a Dabney Coleman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he wrote also um, one of Alan's favorites, Class of 1984. Yeah, it's a prequel of Class of 1989, um, which I like a little better than 84. But 84 is still really good. And it also has uh, Roddy McDowell, who's also in Fright Night. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And uh, Psycho Two which I think is uh, a movie we should review uh, at some point in time, Psycho 2 and Psycho 3. That would be a good uh, double feature. But uh, Cloak and Dagger, like I said, and then, of course, Fright Night is when he started directing, and then he went on to do Child's Play. And uh, the rest is history, as far as he is concerned. Um, But, yeah, uh, this was his directorial debut, and because he had written some of these successful scripts, um, they were like, sure, the movie stars, uh, like Alan said, Roddy McDowell, and Roddy McDowell plays like a Vincent Price esque. Yeah. Uh, in fact, he's kind of named after Vincent Price and yeah, Peter yeah. Cushing, P- Peter Vincent, Peter, or Peter Laurie, or something like that, right? Peter Cushing, Cushing. Peter Cushing, yeah. Um, in fact, the role um, was initially intended to to go to Vincent Price, but Vincent Price said no because he didn't. He'd been typecast for so long that he was like, fuck this. He's like, I'm fresh off the Thriller music video. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> He's like, I'm a rapper now. Yeah, exactly. I'm going hip hop. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> uh, who else is in this? Chris Sarandon. Yep. It's Jerry Dandridge. Who we were all fortunate enough to meet. Yeah. Um, pretty pretty nice guy, actually. I thought he was going to be a real big jerk, to be honest <laughs> with you. As I was, as I was waiting in line. 
Um, I was like, oh, God, he's going to be an asshole. I could just see that he was like, it looked like he was not happy to be there at the convention. And he was just doing it just because. And uh, I got up to him. So nice. Like yeah. one of the nicest guys. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess looks can be deceiving. Yeah, he's yeah. really nice. And William then, Ragsdale uh, plays the lead. William Ragsdale, if you know him better. I knew him better as Herman from Herman's Head. I think it was on Fox. Also, another sitcom that was on Fox was Married with Children, which starred Amanda Beers as mm-hmm. the next door neighbor, Marcy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on Marcy Darcy? I don't remember that show all that well, to be honest. Um, I, I didn't watch it very much when it first aired. Christina, I know you got some opinions on her I just Well, yeah, but from married with children. I don't know if you remember like the opening sequence, but you know, they would go through all the characters and they would show their name and there was like, you know, they put scenes from, mm-hmm. you know, the show and she's in this trench coat and she like opens her trench coat and she's wearing this lingerie, like Teddy thing. And that has always stuck with me. And it's just so weird and gross. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just, I didn't like Marcy Darcy. Yeah. And to be fair to uh, Amanda Beers, you know, I'm not saying she's she's not an attractive person, but she's definitely not a sexy person. And like to have her like sex it up is just kind of like it's, it's, it's awkward. It's just awkward. awkward. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ada's gonna hate. <laughs> was it like when uh, Miley Cyrus is like twerking and like doing all that weird stuff with her tongue? You're like, that's just weird. I'm just feeling yeah. comfortable. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like she looks comfortable. Aren't you Hannah Montana? Yeah, I'm not aroused. I'm creeped out a little bit. Christina, Christina, have you heard my Hannah Montana impression? No. Hey, y'all, I'm Hannah Montana. <laughs> the rich little of the soil strikes it's again. Not Uncanny. Not <laughs> um, Jonathan Stark, who we just recently talked about, that pumpkin pie haircutted freak from uh, House 2. He's in it. <laughs> That's he right. Billy. A little sidekick. Oh, oh, God. That guy's so annoying. But mm-hmm. do you know that guy won an Emmy? Really? won an Emmy for writing um, the episode of the Ellen DeGeneres sitcom, Ellen. Yeah. Where she comes out. No kidding. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So he's a, he's a writer. He wrote episodes of Cheers, um, a lot of sitcoms. Interesting. Uh, like I said, Ellen, a lot of famous sitcoms, yeah. So you know what I, he looks like? Hmm. He looks kind of like Scott, our friend Scott. Oh, yeah. I thought the same <laughs> he does thing, especially like, in this movie. He does look like Scott. You're right. Especially <laughs> in this movie. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, that's Scott. He makes like a lot of Scott faces. Yeah. Like the. Like, Scott has that face of like mischief. Like when he's kind of got like a thought, like. like yeah. I don't know explain like a, it. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I got a it secret. It looks just like him. Man. He does, especially in this movie. In the other movie, it looks like Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber. He looked like Jim Carrey a little bit in some scenes in this too. It's like, but then like in other scenes, are like he looks like Scott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what I read was um, he he actually got cast as the role, and uh, he when he auditioned for the role, he wore like a bunch of layers to make it look like he was bulked up, mm-hmm. and then he got <laughs> cast as the role. And it took a long time between the casting and the filming, so he actually went to the gym and bulked up a little bit. So that's probably another reason why he looks like Scott, because Scott is like all like buff. Yeah. <laughs> so he got that like, body type. Yeah. And then of course we got Stephen Jeffries who plays uh, Evil Ed. Yeah. Um. All right, so that's the cast. Basic story is we got uh, William Dragsdale plays Charlie uh, Brewster. 
and uh, his girlfriend is Amy, and uh, they're they're getting hot and heavy. <laughs> and, well, while they're watching Fright Night uh, on the TV. Yeah, so Fright Night is kind of like a syndicated uh, horror show, kind of like a Elvira, yeah. Sven Gulli or somebody like that. Yeah, and Robbie Robbie McDowell's character, Peter Vincent, plays this like washed up actor who hosts, like he takes on the Elvira role of hosting this Fright Night uh, show, and um, they're wa- they're watching it, but Charlie's barely watching because he's got other things on his mind. Like his dog. <laughs> and he is, he's wanting to plant his seed. And, <laughs> What's the and, pipe? <laughs> and um, Amy has uh, one, I, she's like, she's like into it, but you know, they're in high school too. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, no, no, no. And then she like pushes him off and he's like, oh, well, whatever. But he still wants to get in her pants, right? Like any horny teenager. And then out of his window, he sees something. And it's right at that point where Amy agrees. She's like, all right, let's, let's do this. Yeah. And she gets on the bed. She like undresses. And then he's like, huh, what's that out the window? And he like totally like that was the most that was the most uh, unrealistic thing in this movie, by the way, thought, was him. Like, not I thought fucking. it was awesome. Like, she's like, Charlie, I'm ready. And he's like, Amy, you're not going to believe this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're moving yeah. the coffin into this house. <laughs> But again, like I said, it's unrealistic because like when I was that age, if I was going to get laid, like they could have, there could have been bombs going off outside and and I would have been like, all right, just give me one minute. Hold on. (laughs) Like, like also at that age, by the time they got that coffin out and into that basement, I would have already been done. <laughs> exactly. So I, only I could have seen the, the 30 seconds. I could have seen pretty much the whole thing. <laughs> Christina's shaking her head because she's like, that age? I <laughs> <Try> know. <laughs> and done. <laughs> so, anyhow. So, yeah, he sees the, ne- the ne- uh, next door neighbors moving in. And uh, they're carrying a coffin. So, it was Chris Sarandon and, and Billy. Uh, so, uh, Jerry and Billy. And they and he's like, "What the fuck are they doing?" Um, also, like periodically throughout the movie, we'll see news clips in the background, and they 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 get less in the background and more in the foreground. But there's been like missing people and like they find dead bodies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So um, that's also something that's going on in the movie. And he tells his mom, he's like, "Hey, neighbor moved in and they were moving a coffin or something." I don't know if he tells her that, but she's just like, "Whatever." Yeah, uh, like mom, typical, mom's like, kind of horny though mom's lonely she's yeah, like, oh, mom's... I, I hope he's hot <laughs> yeah we never find out what happened to dad no no dad just left mm-hmm, loser went out for a pack of smokes never came back <laughs> um we're next day at school oh amy got pissed off because uh charlie wouldn't slip her and she's like one second you want to make love and then the next second and then like the mom is sitting right there is like hey what's going on you two yeah (laughs) super awkward did you also notice christina what did you notice about amy's uh fashion choices she looks like bonnie from toy story 3 she's got like (laughs) two clips in her hair she's got overalls on she's dressed like a little girl she's not dressed like a teenage girl you know what yeah, no, definitely not like a teenage girl. She's dressed like like a seven year old, not only or or a five year old. But I think it's probably to juxtapose what she ultimately becomes at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. The more yeah. that I think about it, it's like 
it's this dichotomy of like, oh, she's just this young, innocent girl. And then by the end of the movie, and we'll get to that, but she's like this seductress. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I thought Amy looked way older than Mrs. Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that too. And I, I said that to Christina as we were watching it. I was like, she's very like, um, what was the word that I used? Matronly. I matronly, yeah. Hmm. She was dressed like, Although she had like the Oshkosh bagash on, but she, she had like layers on and she had like turtlenecks and, and shit like that. That it's like, even in the 80s, like nobody dressed like that. Yeah, her I, thought, was awful. I, I thought Mrs. Brewster was way cuter too. Oh, yeah, yeah, very nice. Charlie goes to school and uh, the next day, and Amy disses him, but she makes a point to like walk right between him and his buddy, uh, Ed. Yeah, like <laughs> ignore him. So, like, she, like, bumps him and ignores him at the same time, like, to let him know, like, hey, I'm pissed off. (laughs) You're on my shit list. What'd you guys think of uh, Ed? Evil Ed. (laughs) You're so cool, Brewster. I love that guy. (laughs) (laughs) The only part is, like, did you hear that someone was murdered? (laughs) Like, every every line line he delivers is is like this. Probably like my least favorite <laughs> character and actor in any movie we've reviewed since Poultrygeist. Like this guy <laughs> was so annoying. Dude, oh. I, I love Evil Ed. No, he's so annoying though. His his acting choices just like totally turned me off. Brett, you're right. Like he's super fucking annoying. Like it's like I don't it's know. So over the top. It's so over the top, and you don't know if it's like forced. Like it's. It seems like really forced. Like I don't know. It's just. It's kind of. It's distracting almost. I thought he was unique. <laughs> <laughs> Christina, you got any thoughts on Evil Ed? Well, I, I, he's like the typical annoying friend. I didn't get the sense that him and Brewster were like really good friends. Yeah. Like I got the sense that they yeah. were just like two people that like sat next to each other in trig class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're always kind of breaking each other's balls. Yeah. Probably, friend, probably more acquaintances really. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I guess I would have liked to see that relationship established a little bit more. Like, like maybe they were best friends and they like grew up together. I'll, I'll get back to that in my <laughs> review, but we can keep going on the plot, I guess. He tells his mom that like there's a vampire. She didn't believe him. He goes to the authorities. Well, he, he doesn't brings- know. He doesn't know yet because right, right before this, though, Alan, he sees like this prostitute get dropped off. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The prostitute. Um, he's in his room. He's doing stuff, and then he hears a scream. That's right. He just hears a scream. He just hears a scream, and that's it. And then the next day, when he's at the restaurant with Ed, um, and Amy. <clears throat> um, they show her. They show her on the news. And he gets the burger smashed in his face. Yeah, yeah. So he sees her on the news, and he know he makes the connection. Like that was the lady that was at the house last night, and now she's dead. Yeah. yeah and the other good point about that, Christina, is like he's right in the middle of apologizing to Amy, and he's yeah. like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> and then he gets distracted by the TV again, yeah. and he turns her turns his attention off of her, and that's when she grabs the burger. Now, I'd I would have been pissed had I been that guy. That guy was just about ready to eat his burger, and she just <laughs> grabs it and smashes it in Charlie's face. And that's when you get the line from fucking Ed, you're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> like, fuck you. I would have punched yeah. that dude right in the nuts. Like, I hate that guy. <laughs> Flicked his balls. I wouldn't, oh, yeah. Just just one at a time. Yep. <laughs> <Fuck it. laughs> Left and right. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. 
So we definitely no. have the suspicions with all the stuff that's going on a TV and like the stuff he's seeing across across from his window. Then he sees another one, and that's when the shades yeah, come the one. Yeah. Shades down. Yeah, that's also when he goes outside and he's like hiding in the bushes, <laughs> and he's a bat flies above his head, and then all all of a sudden it's Chris Sarandon standing there. The mom comes out calling him, and it's just like so awkward. Dude, there, was, there was a time that uh, my wife and I uh, we went on a trip, and while we were just like walking down the street, a, a bat flew right in her face. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Where were you? This is in Flagstaff. And uh, when it happened, like I laughed so hard. And then um, when we were watching the movie together the other night, like when the bat flew, I was like, hey, remember when that happened to you and the bat hit you in the face? You're like, yeah, you never let me forget. <laughs> Did she grab a hamburger and smash it in your <laughs> what face? Happened? She was like, Jesus Christ, what the hell was that? She's like, a, she's like, I think a bird almost hit me. I was like, that was a bat. So something that I noticed uh, it, during the movie, and I said to Christina, I said, uh, uh, J- Jerry Dandridge, Chris Sarandon's always eating fruit. Mm-hmm. And Christina goes, that's because he's a fruit bat. <laughs> and I kind of laughed it off or whatever, but I was reading about it. And he actually did make that choice on wow. purpose. He's got a little fruit bat in him. Yeah, Chris, Chris Sarandon improvised it. Yeah, he found, he found that most bats are like fruit fruit fruitivores i don't know what they're called but <laughs> they eat a lot of fruit <laughs> and so he he thought that the history and tom holland get a little bit of backstory on this tom holland treated this because it was his first time directing and he was a stage actor he treated this very much like you would stage plays and he had all the characters write write out bios of themselves and they rehearsed this for like a few weeks mm. inside a sound stage as like a play mm-hmm. um and uh, anyway, so Chris Sarandon made this choice. And they all had a lot of input on their characters. Chris Sarandon made this choice that he was going to eat fruit as a, like a palate cleanser after he got done feeding. Every time he got done feeding, he'd always have like an apple or something um, in, in his mind, right? So anytime we see him with an apple, that means he just got done eating blood. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I thought he was part, I thought he was part horse. <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's just from the waist yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, do you see the size of that guy's pants? (laughs) So, yeah, so he gets called out. Now, Jerry Dandridge kind of knows that uh, Charlie knows. Well, because he saw him see him the night before. He saw him see him. He saw him see him. And he had a... The worst I've ever heard about, but it makes so much sense. (laughs) And he had, like, vampire... I mean, he had vampire fangs, for Christ's sake. Like, so it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he probably knows him a vampire. Also flew right over his, you know, right over his face as a bat. So there, there's yep. that as well. Yeah. So um, Charlie goes to um, Ed, and he's like, "How do you get rid of a vampire?" And Ed basically charges him like eight bucks, <laughs> <laughs> and he tells Brewster that he needs to get like a stake to the heart and like get a bunch of garlic, get some holy water. Yeah. So next time we see Charlie. Like all throughout his all throughout his room, he's got like garlic and shit like that. Does that happen yet? That's uh, yeah, yeah, soon, a little later, but yeah. Because there's also the thing. Oh, there's also the thing that. Oh, right before that, Ed says also, "Don't invite him in your house." Yeah, because yeah. they need permission to get into the house. Yeah, and uh, Charlie gets home, and his mom's there, and she's like, "Oh, look who just stopped by, the neighbor." And there's Chris Sarandon sitting in his. Uh, Living room. What's up? (laughs) And it's later that night. This is actually before the garlic, but it's later that night that Chris Sarandon breaks into the house and he's like looking over the mother 
uh, in her bed, and then he leaves. He like slams her door shut so she can't get out, and then he leaves and uh, goes and attacks Charlie. And Charlie stabs him with a pencil. And he goes, Apparently <laughs> that that stops you if you're a vampire, like just a pencil to the hand. It stops <laughs> him long enough to where Chris Sarandon's like, I'll be back. <laughs> and he like leaves. I gotta tend to this uh, this wound. I yeah. got some Neosporin on this shit. <laughs> like, Billy, oh Billy, help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Billy and uh, Jerry's relationship is kind of uh, insinuated that they're like kind of lovers, don't you think? Yeah, that was insinuated. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't get that, Christina. Not at all. No, I didn't Not get that vibe. All. Jerry was a ladies' man. Not at all. Jerry was a ladies' man, but but maybe but there was, was some unrequited love going on with uh, Billy. I don't think it was even unrequited. Like I think there was a <laughs> really? little bit of fluidity. Some people swing both ways, always and anyways. So <laughs> Jerry Dandridge just so happens to be that guy. The, um, the Tom Tom Holland uh, intentionally kind of alluded to that left it ambiguous yeah but uh jerry's definitely like a servant to or not jerry billy's definitely a servant to jerry yeah kind of like a renfield kind of kind of character yeah very much very much um so now charlie's like what the fuck do i do he's got his room full of uh garlic he's got a bunch of steaks that he's carving and he sees Peter Vincent on the TV hosting this Fright Night. And Peter Vincent's a vampire hunter in all the movies that he did, all the shitty movies that he did from the 50s and 60s. And then he's like, I'm going to go to Peter Vincent. Now, I don't know what the logical progression is there. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I wouldn't go to like just a TV personality and be like, you're the expert. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, hey, you you know who we need on this? John McClane. I'm going to go to Bruce Willis's house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If there was terrorists, I wouldn't call Bruce Willis. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still might call Bruce Willis and just be like, hey, there's some terrorists. <laughs> be like, good luck with that. <laughs> um, leave your shoes at home, Bruce. We need you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, but they jump to that. He jumps to that conclusion pretty quick. And I guess because it's a movie, we just accept that that's the reality of it. But it was just yeah. kind of like a little... A little bit of a leap for me, but he goes and talks to Roddy McDowell, Peter yeah. Vincent, and he explains to him that he's got a vampire. And Roddy McDowell's like, "Get the fuck out of here, kid!" I just got fired. Yeah, he thinks he's like an obsessed fan, like you know, just like, "Oh, would you like an autograph?" You know, like, "Oh yeah, totally." And and then, but he's like, um, he's like, "Vampires don't exist," and he goes home. So Amy and Ed Ed come over to uh, Charlie's house, and they're like, "Hey." You know, you need some help. And he's like, I'm going to go kill my next door neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, don't kill him. Uh, Don't kill your neighbor. And he's like, I'm going to go kill him. I don't care. And they're like, well, maybe we'll get some help. Maybe then they jump to the same conclusion. They're like, maybe we go get Peter Vincent. It's like all these kids. He's like, I already tried that. And if the show is that popular that everybody knows who Peter Vincent is, why did he get fired? Like, <laughs> it seems to be like a hugely popular show. Well, no, they explained it. He explains it because uh, he says everybody wants to see, like, mass killers killing virgins and yeah. slashers and that sort of thing. And he said, like, the ratings were so low, they don't want a guy like me anymore. You but know, obviously the ratings aren't low because these kids are watching it. These high school kids are, like, obsessed with it. No, but it had a it had a point though. Like when this movie came out, like slashers were at the height of things, and that like is, yeah, and he was yeah, old school, definitely. 
I also want to point out, though, I think the reason he went to Peter Vincent was because he tried going to the police and police thought he was nuts. So, yeah. you know, he went over there. He went to the house. Um, I, I did Billy, think that was... Billy proved him wrong, you know. Yeah. It made it look like everything was fine. Yeah. So the cop was like, you're crazy. Don't ever call me again. So he's like, well, the police aren't going to believe me, so I'm going to go to Peter Vincent. And Charlie plays yeah. the he's a vampire card way too early. Like, when he has the cops <laughs> over, like, and he's like, he's a vampire. And, like, uh, Billy's like, Woo! Because the guy's actually going to investigate it. He's like, let me let me look at Yeah, he's like, his vampire's like, oh, get the fuck out of here. He wasted my time. And then Charlie fucking blows it. And then what? Charlie's what? like, he really is a vampire. And then he's like, yeah, kid, and I'm Dirty Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a pretty cool line. But here's the thing. is like, no way would a cop go, all right, I'm going to take you with me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to Let's, investigate we're going to do this investigation like, together. Like yeah. He takes, like, a 17-year-old kid over to this, like, suspected murderer's house. Not only is he taking a kid there, but he's also showing them who's accusing him so they know mm-hmm. who to kill next. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was a little comical, for sure. But that's a good point, Christina. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and I think that's a very uh, valid point there. So, uh Amy and Ed are like, hey, we'll go get Peter Vincent. D- hold off on killing your neighbor till tomorrow <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, let's put let's put a pin in that one. Yeah. And he's like, and Charlie's like, all right. Um, so they go over and they convince Peter Vincent by uh, offering him a $500 savings bond. <laughs> yeah, which he's like, done. <laughs> yeah, and they basically and so, just want him to like kind of put on a show. Like, it's like, yeah, just pretend to like do some tests and just to appease yeah. him and then we'll be on our way. Yeah, they want Vincent to prove that, like, he's not a vampire. Yeah. Yeah, so Peter Vincent calls Jerry Dandridge and says, hey, this is what I want to do. And Dandridge is like, okay, well, no crosses because I'm religious. And that would be sacrilege. No holy water because I'm religious. And they're like, well, it's not real holy water. It's just going to be tap water. Yeah, and we're just going to have you drink it. And he's like, yeah, all right, whatever. He's like, okay. So that's that's kind of the card he plays to hide the fact that he's a vampire. And so... uh, they all go over there the next night and he drinks the water and nothing happens and uh, everything's fine. And Peter Vincent at one point has uh, like this compact that he carries around. It was a prop from one of his movies, but he carries it around and he like opens it up um, for, for whatever reason. Well, like, God damn it. He's like, I got asparagus in my teeth. <laughs> Fuck. I made myself look like an asshole in front of Jerry Dandridge. Yeah, it would have been kind of cool had it been like a cigarette case or something that yeah. he opened up and he was going to get a cigarette and he looks in the mirror, but that's not what happens. He just looks in the mirror and he sees the kids talking to Billy and um, Jerry, but there's no Jerry. Billy and no one, yeah. So Roddy McDowell, Peter Vincent's like, oh fuck, he really is a vampire. Yeah. And he's Out like, shock, he drops it on the floor. Yep. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm just clumsy. All right, kids, let's go. Uh, no vampires here. And he's yeah. like, straight out of the monsters. He's all, <laughs> and, yeah. like, and, and he's kind of an asshole, too, because like, he basically he doesn't even try to help the kids. He like, gets in his car. He's like, oh, see you later. And as he's leaving, Charlie's like, you know that he's a vampire. And Peter Vincent's like, yep. Yeah, he goes, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, I noticed he didn't cast a reflection. Well, see ya. <laughs> Gotta go. Yep. And he's going to go. He's packing up, and he's heading, he's heading out. So Charlie... Ed and Amy. A- Amy and Ed are like, it's all done. And oh, Charlie's like... It's also it's worth not- noting that when they all go over there, uh, Jerry is like smitten with Amy. And he sees her. He's oh, like, yeah. oh, hello, hello. That's, that's another thing too, because we see that he has like these old paintings. Yeah. And the woman in the paintings resembles Amy quite... Mm, looks like a... 
prior lover. Yeah, it's like uh, like that Winona Ryder in. Uh, oh yeah, in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, he goes to uh, they they go all go walking home. They're gonna walk Amy home. Uh, Ed and Charlie and Amy. And they go down, like, where the fuck does she live? Christina goes to me, she goes, where the fuck does she live? <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> that, that foggy like, alleyway? It looked like the London Gold commercials. Like, <laughs> I picture someone with, like, a trench coat to come out. Like, it's the best. Yeah, and then they're, they're, like, they're like, yeah, in a foggy London town, going through, like, the seediest part of whatever city when they were just in, like, suburbia. You know, that's the same neighborhood as the Burbs. I was going to say, that's a Universal Studios backlot for sure. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh he tells evil ed he's like ah if you're not afraid why don't you go walk down that al- uh that alley and ed's like yeah all right yeah mm-hmm. and ed's like fuck it i'm leaving you guys anyway he's like i'm done with this brewster you're an idiot and then and he goes walking down the alley and then he plays a joke on him where he like screams <laughs> oh yeah oh you're gonna have to suck the what does he say like, <laughs> like, you gotta like, give me a kiss or something I don't know. yeah and and then they leave him and, and brewster's just like ed you're an asshole and he takes amy home well, yeah. as I would have ditched him too, for sure. <laughs> well, no shit. I would have ditched him like, I don't know, like eight years ago when I first met him. I would have been like, oh, get out yeah. of here. Transferring class. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping trig. Take algebra over again. Um, so, but Ed starts walking home. And of course, here comes Jerry Dandridge. And he uh, gives Ed a choice. And he says, I, can, I know what it's like to be picked on. And I can make that stop for you. Just grab, take my hand. And Ed chooses, and he takes his hand. Now, given the choice, would you, if somebody came to you like fucking Lestat or fucking Jerry Dandridge? Well, I know, yeah, Christina's shaking her head for Lestat. <laughs> no, not Lestat. You like um, Louis? Like Louis better. Or Armand. <laughs> oh, Armand. Armand. <laughs> or Salma Hayek in uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys. <laughs> Um, the rest of the episode is just going to be us just making noises like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna ba- banging a, my, my head's going to turn into a wolf I'm going to start banging a chair on the table <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> my tongue's going to flip yeah, yeah. out it's going to roll across the table <laughs> this is going to turn into the mask <laughs> yeah my heart's going to pop out of my chest <laughs> um, if you were given the choice to be a vampire would you Christina me? Yeah, you. Yes, definitely. <laughs> 100%. All right. Why? Because it'd be awesome. I want to be a vampire. <laughs> Live forever. Didn't you listen to the episode where I said vampires suck? Yeah. Like, no pun they intended. Do. <laughs> but they do suck. They can be defeated so easily. Yeah. Like Vampires are assholes. They don't have any fucking superpowers. If anything, they're more weak when they're a vampire. They're, they, mm-hmm. Sunlight kills them. Uh, holy water. I don't get hurt by holy water. It would be a it would be a very limited existence. Yeah, it'd be tough to to survive. It'd be like living in isolation. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say I wouldn't take his hand just for the coronavirus. Like I'm not touching anybody, <laughs> motherfucker. I don't know where that hand's been. Like, do wash your hands. Get the hell out of here. We'll t- I'll touch. I'll, we'll touch elbows. Ellen, would you turn into a vampire? Um, I would have to say no. I would not. It's like you're alone there. You're going to be the only vampire here, Christina. That's okay. Well, that's because we're all swear wolves. And she'll turn so. you. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I, I did I did tell my daughter um, when she was about three or four years old 
that Christina was a vampire and I was a werewolf. And she, <laughs> she is the hybrid of uh, a vampire and a werewolf. And I thought that would be a good idea for like a movie, like kind of like, um, like a funny family film. Yeah. Where you, like how you find out your parents are, are a hybrid of uh, vampires and uh, werewolves and you got to deal with that. It's kind of like Teen Wolf, but good. <laughs> <laughs> Ed turns into, uh, gets turned into a vampire. And they hear his screams, but they're like, it's just Ed playing a joke again. Fuck that guy. A real ugly motherfucker. Of a oh, my God. <laughs> so Ed goes over to Peter Vincent's house, and he, like, attacks him. But Peter Vincent puts a cross on his head. Yeah. And it burns him. And he's got these fucking gnarly teeth. And he's even more annoying as a vampire than he was as a, as a sidekick friend. <laughs> and uh, he's even more ugly as a vampire than he was as a normal guy. And he goes, uh, he goes, Peter Vincent's going to kill you, or uh, Jerry Dandridge is going to kill you guys, so fuck off. Yeah. yeah and, like, the master's uh, not going to like this. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, somehow Charlie and Amy see Jerry's chasing after him, and they run into like this discotheque. Yeah. <laughs> they they start a tech noir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they go into this place, and they're hiding from him, and uh, he ends up, Jerry ends up seducing Amy on the dance floor with his fucking sick moves. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they start like dirty dancing, fucking Saturday night fever. Uh-huh. Like, little, and um, bump and grind. <laughs> and she slowly changes. Like yeah. all of a sudden she's got makeup on the clips disappeared. <laughs> yeah. She's got a the, confidence about her. The overalls come off. <laughs> she's got a dress on now. <laughs> she kicks off her kids and puts on some heels. <laughs> oh. <laughs> She's, she's, it's a, it's a analogy for puberty. Mm-hmm. She's becoming a woman. Let me undo these Velcro straps <laughs> on my shoes. Uh, ba- basically, Jerry takes her. There's a little bit of a confrontation with some security guards in which he kicks their he ass. fucks them up. <laughs> but uh, one of the security guards was a guy, f- oh, was the guy from Friday the 13th Part 3. He played uh, the biker guy. Oh, okay. Oh, the chain yeah, he gets all pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the security guards. So I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> um, but, uh, Jerry says to Charlie, you and <clears throat> Peter Vincent come to my house and we'll settle this once in a while. If you want to save Amy's life, mm-hmm. Charlie ends up convincing Peter Vincent to join him through a series of events. Peter's like really scared, but he ends up convincing him to join him and, uh, they go to save Amy's life. And uh, they get attacked, and uh, Charlie gets thrown from the balcony, so Peter Vincent's like, I'm out of here. And he goes (laughs) over to Charlie's house, and Ed's there, and they have a confrontation, and Peter Vincent actually kills Ed. That scene's kind of sad. That scene's fucking long. It is long, but it's sad. That scene lasted like 20 minutes, the transformation from a wolf. I'm telling you, I said this in another episode, like all those transformation movies, like American Werewolf, The Howling, like they really milk the transformation effects. Like, let's make this really long. Yeah. This made The Howling look short, like, (laughs) to me. Like, I was done with it. I was like, all right. Just just die, Ed. Yeah, just die. Um, but it was kind of sad. Peter Vincent goes back over and him and Charlie start attacking, going after uh, Jerry. But kind Billy, of a game of like cat and mouse. Yep. And Billy comes out and uh, they kill Billy. He's like an undead. He's not, he's not really a vampire, 
because he can walk out in the sunlight, but he's definitely an undead some beast. Sort of, some sort of ghoul, yeah, because mm. his death is pretty cool. Like, he looks yeah. awesome when he dies. Yeah. yeah. His death, I I enjoyed. Like, yeah. that transformation and that, like, kind of melts. Away and, yeah. 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 All the green goo coming yeah. out of his pants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you gotta, you gotta have that. <laughs> it's all that swinging him and Jerry uh-huh. has been doing. He, he laid with someone who is unclean. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Amy's being, she's been bitten and she's going to transform. Mm-hmm. And, and Charlie has to, P- Peter Vincent says, as long as we kill Jerry before dawn, before dawn, she'll be okay. Yeah, that's the rule. He's he knows he's the vampire hunter. He's he's this version of Van Helsing, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, again, uh, I think it was Alan. It's like cat and mouse. Like they're chasing each other around the house. Jerry's kind of a pussy. He's always hiding, <laughs> and he's always sending. Like he sends Amy to try to kill him. He sends Billy to try to kill him, and Ed. And he's just kind of like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> ultimate. Ultimately, he's a lover, not a fighter. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I like when he's like floating outside the window, peering at you know, like, like looking them. in on them, and <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was cool. Yeah, he like sneaks. Yeah, he's like creeping on them. Yeah. <laughs> um, he they, turns into a bat and he attacks them, right? Yeah, and they end up having this whole big brawl, and Amy's attacking Charlie, and uh, Jerry's attacking Peter Vincent. And earlier, Jerry tells Peter Vincent that a cross won't work on him. It works on like, oh, he's Ed. like you have to believe. Like, but you have to believe for yeah. it to work on me. You have to have faith. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, then George Michael came out and he's like, ching, 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 ching. Yes. Well, I guess it would be nice. <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry, wrong set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be on the near dark set. Oh, I'll, I'll show my way over. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, but. Peter Vincent again holds the cross up and he's like, I told you you have to have faith. Don't you remember? And like he pushes the cross towards him and he has faith now. You see it kind of click. Yep. And it it pushes him back a little bit. And then they, and then like the windows, they start punching out the windows so the sunlight can come in. Yeah. Which reminded me, I was telling Christina that it reminded me of game of death with uh, Bruce Lee when Mm. he's fighting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's like characters wearing sunglasses, and he like doesn't like the sunlight. And so I tried to show her that scene, and there was an edited version of that scene which lasted like five minutes, and it's not the not the version that I remember. Nope. Yeah. And nothing happened. Nothing like, happened. Punching out the windows, and I'm like, well, that was a bust. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, it happens in the longer version of the fight. He like starts Bruce Lee punches out the windows, so Kareem Abdul-Jabbar gets blinded. Am I right? That sounds familiar. Yeah. Okay. I love I love that fight scene though. Kareem Abdul Jabbar is like eight feet tall and Bruce Lee's like five feet tall. <laughs> so they destroy him. And then Amy and uh, Charlie must be a little while later and they're he's throwing her the old stiff one. <laughs> Peter Vincent's back on TV and then Charlie sees like two glowing eyes next door. And then Amy's like, What is it, Charlie? And he's like, Oh nothing. <laughs> and he goes back. He goes back to lay in the pipe, and then we hear Evil Ed laugh. Yep. Yeah. And he does the "You're yeah. so cool, Brewster" again. The end. What'd you guys think, Christina? Let's start with you. Yeah. You're the guest of honor. Um, this is one of my favorite 
80s vampire movies. I think it has a nostalgia feel for me. Um, just it reminds me of being a kid and watching movies and getting scared. And it still scares me. I even told you that when we were watching it. Like I still get nervous um, when it's like the window scenes and he's looking out. And I don't know. I still like my heart beats and it races. Um, I think it's fun. It is cheesy. Like looking back on it now, it is pretty cheesy. Um, some of the acting is cheesy. and But I love it. So I give it a three. Three. Three Pamela Voorhees heads for you? Yeah. I will go next. I I like this movie. I think there's there's flaws in the movie. I think there's some stuff that I would have changed. And I think that they remade this movie with Colin Farrell and uh, Anton Yelchin. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Um, a few years back, I think in 2011. And I really liked the remake. <laughs> I really thought they nailed the remake. I thought the remake was actually superior to the original, and that doesn't happen that often. This movie, however, to Christina's point, is very nostalgic. It's one of those movies that I remember, it would be on on like Saturday afternoons on TV. Like It wasn't like so horror that they couldn't show it on Saturday afternoons mm-hmm. or whatever. And I remember it just being on. This and Fright Night 2, they would show a lot also, and I would always be like, huh. Um, I like the character of Peter Vincent. I like uh, William Ragsdale, I think, did an awesome job as Charlie. And I think Chris Sarandon as the uh, Jerry Dandridge was really good, too. Amanda Bierce, I'm not a big fan of uh, that character, and I'm not a fan of her. I don't. She doesn't do it for me. And I've already said that Evil Ed annoys the piss out of me. Um, but all that being said, I thought it was a tight script. I thought uh, it was written very well. Um, the script we talk about the score yeah it's the same guy who did terminator, terminator. yep bread yeah. uh, or fetal or something like that yeah it was okay like sometimes though it sounded like law and order like it was like that boom, boom, Dude, boom, 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 I, I, I said the same thing to my wife when i was watching i was like that sounds like law and order <laughs> i kept waiting for a dun dun yeah there was a lot of times where it was like a crime drama like score, so it was all right. Um, there was uh, there was some like like the soundtrack got some play. Um, I guess and there was uh, some clips. Jay Gal's band did, did a did, did the a theme song, song, I think, yeah, and it got some play on MTV with some clips from the movie. Um, yeah. So all that being said, I'm gonna give it a. Oh yeah, here's the Jay Gal's band, the uh, autograph. That band, uh, Devo, they had a song on the soundtrack. I'm going to give it a three and a half heads out of, uh, out of five, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan, go ahead. I really like this movie. Um, I think it's one of the better vampire-themed movies, especially from the 80s. Um, I think it's up there with Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but where it's different from Lost Boys, it's kind of more like a... Lost Boys is a little bit darker, this was kind of more like like a John Hughes film with vampires. I didn't really care for the narrative that they were high school students. Um, it didn't really matter. Like, it wasn't a big element of the movie. It wasn't really scary or suspenseful to me because they revealed early on that um, the antagonists... It already revealed who they are. They're carrying the coffin. So there wasn't really any suspense as to, like, 
if he's a vampire or if he's not. It pretty much kind of just presented it to you very early on. And, so and, a, and a movie that did that better, we mentioned earlier, The Burbs. That's what I was about to say. That's okay. in my notes. Um, yeah, the Burbs, ahead. for example, had a really good buildup because you had more antagonists and it didn't really reveal them until kind of like the very later. end. Yeah, so yeah. it was a very good build. Plus, in the burbs, like not to get too off track, but in the burbs, um, you know, the neighbor is very suspicious. But Tom Hanks, who's more like the straight and narrow, is like very like suspecting. Where in this film, um, you have Charlie, who is like convinced, and nobody believes him. You know, much like other films of the time, where like you know nobody believes the main character. Yep. Um, but as the viewer, you see you see exactly what's going on. So there's not really a lot of suspense or scares or anything like that. I would have liked a better ending. Like I wish the ending had been much darker. Like I thought it was silly that like he ignores like the eyes. Like maybe he thinks. I mean, how is he supposed to know that that was? And Evil Ed is dead. So how is yeah. he alive at the end? We watched him and, die. And yeah. in Fright Night Two has right. nothing to do with what happens at the end of Fright Night One. <laughs> Like right, so I thought Fright it was Night like, 2 doesn't pick up right there. So I wasn't crazy about the ending. Um, you know, there were moments where I think it was trying to be funny, but it didn't need to be funny. It, it was very good, like on its own. So I thought the humor is very minimal, but you know, whatever they tried to attempt at humor, I didn't think was that great, you know, but there were little things like how did, how did Vincent get his job back? Like, you know, he kind of winks at Charlie and the TV. It's like, I thought he got laid off and you know, had to go to unemployment and all this stuff. <laughs> He's got his show back. You know, it's like the two things. He was under- revitalized. He was revitalized. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no clue. I have no idea how. But Exactly. You know. It's not like they knew that he killed Chris Sarandon. And they're like, oh, we can get the guy who killed a vampire back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because nobody believed them. Nobody cared. It was very isolated. So there were little things in the logic not that, you know, it's like. How did they uh, explain the murdered teenage boy in Charlie's house? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that just, that just goes That's to show. True. That goes to show, like, really, like, nobody gave a shit about Evil Ed. (laughs) Yeah, even his parents were like, whatever. Nobody. Charlie dissolved him in a tub of acid. He's like, done done deal. He's like, this ain't my first first rodeo. Roddy McDowell turned into Heisenberg and fucking uh, Jesse. (laughs) Yeah, all of a sudden he knows how to dispose of a corpse. (laughs) Yeah. So, So, long story short, I just think some things could have been tightened up a little bit better. Um, It's still very entertaining. Chris Sarandon is, I think, um, he's a great vampire. Yeah. He's a plays a great vampire. Him and Roddy McDowell like really make this film. Um, yeah. I give it three and a half. It's still really solid. And for me, it's up there with the Lost Boys, which I also gave it three and a half. Those are probably the two best or better vampire movies of the eighties. I think they're up yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. One thing while you were talking, it reminded me um and i'm sorry I, I i don't mean not to get to you yet uh david but mm. one thing <laughs> one thing while you're talking reminded me of something and I, i'm gonna get the quote wrong but chris sarandon had a quote regarding um the the movie and that it was in a sense he basically said it's self-acknowledging without making fun of itself right. so it's like a it's like almost like a parody of vampire movies, but not a parody in the sense like airplane is a parody of disaster movies. It's, it's kind of a parody of a number of things. Yeah. But it's, but it's serious enough that it still is good. 
And that's what I liked about it. It yeah. didn't go too much, you know, whatever funny moments it had, it wasn't really funny. Yeah. Like, you know, and the evil Ed character, it was just like, whatever, he's annoying. <laughs> he's not really, he's not really a factor in the, in the whole thing, really. Three and a half. David, what do you think? Uh, if, if, if we were like in the days of VHS and you wanted to throw like my quote on the back for this movie, I would say, I goddamn love this movie. Like <laughs> I love this movie. I've seen it so many times. Um, uh, so I'm admittedly biased. I, I kind of grew up like watching this movie. Um, I like all the characters. I like evil Ed. I thought Chris Sarandon did a great job. It's got humor. Uh, it's got atmosphere. It's got some cool music, but to your point, Brett, some of the music was a little hokey. Um, but like the music yeah. in the club scene and like some of like the slower kind of synthy stuff, I thought was really cool. Yeah, just overall, I find the movie very fun. I think the cast had a lot of chemistry. I think it's got a good script. Um, I thought for yeah. this being Tom Holland's first film directing, I thought it, it looked good. It, it looked yeah. like a professional movie. <laughs> like uh, I, I really feel like this movie cl- uh, clicks on all cylinders. I give it a four. So that's a three and a half overall. You know what one of the highlights of this movie is and something we haven't brought up yet is the box art and the poster oh, art. Awesome. Oh, yeah. That works amazing. Yeah, yeah. That, that house with the cloud and the vampire like uh, behind it. And it's kind of a shame cloud. that uh, uh, Amy's character, like when she has that face, like we only see it for a minute. Like it's a really short scene. And I'm sure that was, yeah. a, I'm sure that was a budget thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, that did look really cool. It got kind of that cool. shark mouth. Yeah. We didn't talk really a lot about the special effects. I thought the special effects were okay. They were. They were great. Anything to write home about. Same people who did Ghostbusters special effects, by the way. Cool. Um, yeah. But they weren't They weren't like Rick Baker level. Some stuff carried over from Ghostbusters. Like there was, I, I can't remember what effect it was, but it was, it was a little too much for the PG Ghostbusters. Mm. So they used it in this film. Yeah, I liked how sometimes they did the transformations, though, where they'd cut to reactions and then they'd cut back. They did this with Chris Sarandon yeah. uh, when he was when he was the vampire in in um, Charlie's room, and he had like gotten stabbed with the pencil. It cut to Charlie, and then when they cut back, he's a little less transformed, and they cut to Charlie yeah, again. Right. Yeah. They cut back, and I thought that worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of doing, doing like, like the, the fade, the, the yeah, like the yeah. werewolf. Uh, the the, um, the shitty transition where it looks like the Wolfman. Yeah, yeah. Where where you see the frame. They just make Lon Chaney Jr. freeze. Hold for very, like... very still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, and it was a hugely popular movie for the time too. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've never seen the sequel. You know, I've seen the sequel, like I said, on TV before. Yeah, I've never seen it. Um, it's it's not as good. It's hard to find too. Like I, I was looking for. Now, it last did you night. like the remake? I don't want to rate the remake right now, but did you like the remake? I did very much. Yeah, yeah. I thought the remake, very like good. I said, was was uh, better than the original. But that's a that's a discussion for another time. Colin Real Farrell. quick, Colin Farrell. Meow. I ask you you gotta say something. meow, babe. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Vincent or the Frog Brothers? Who do you choose? Peter. The Vincent. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. So I go Peter Vincent. Frog Brothers were badass. Oh. But they talk like this. <laughs> <laughs> you want to give Evil Ed shit for the way he talks? Like, I'm gonna. Oh, they're far less annoying than Evil Ed, <laughs> and that's Corey Feldman I'm talking about. The American you know, so. way. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next film we're going to talk about, uh, as we mentioned earlier, is a little film from 1987 called Near Dark. Uh, Near Dark. Uh, it's described as a neo-western horror film. Um, which was uh, written and directed by Catherine Bigelow, who was James Cameron's wife 
uh, or girlfriend at the time, eventually wife, and eventually Ex-wife. then not wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he left. He left her for Linda Hamilton, and then he left Linda Hamilton for the chick from Titanic. So, oh jeez, and Catherine Bigelow, she's an Oscar winner. Yeah, she won for the Hurt Locker. Yeah, that's a great movie. Um, which happened way after this, right? Like oh. thirty years later. Um, you gotta start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Very much so. But this cast had a lot of uh, this cast and crew had a lot in common with Aliens, yeah. which uh, came out the year prior. Yeah. Uh, so we got Lance Henriksen, we got Bill Paxton, and we got Jeanette Goldstein. Uh, who played uh, Rodriguez? Rod- what was her name? Rod- Rodriguez, Rodriguez, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Which is always funny to me because here's a Jew playing a Hispanic. <laughs> Jeanette Goldstein plays uh, <laughs> Rodriguez. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the cast, that's that's the cast. Kind of roll through this a little bit. And if you can find a copy of Near Dark, more power to you because it's like impossible to fucking find, especially streaming. Yeah. Um, you can probably find it on DVD or Blu-ray. No, it's, uh, out of, it's out of print. <laughs> it's out of you, print. You find so. it, but you're gonna you're gonna pay for it. So basically, just listen to this plot summary, and you'll determine <laughs> whether you need to watch it at all. Um, <clears throat> so there's this guy. His name's Caleb. Uh, he uh, is uh, this hill hillbilly hick cowboy yeah, guy. Cowboy. He's a Jake Gyllenhaal looking. Uh, <laughs> he is yeah, Brokeback Mountain looking fella. He does look like Jake Gyllenhaal in Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. But he's an asshole. <laughs> he is like Christina and I were watching this, and we were both kind of pissed off. She got so pissed off with this guy right away because he's I, like coming yeah. on strong. To yeah, that girl. he sees her eating that ice cream. He's like, "Hey, baby." He's like, "Can I have a bite? Yeah, can I have a little kiss?" Yeah, and he's like, "Who, who asked for like a stranger for a bite of their ice cream?" Like, yeah, that's just gross. Yeah, he was very predatory. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> But he takes her out, they enjoy the evening, and then she's like, what time is it? She's like, I gotta get home before uh, dawn. And uh, he's like, don't worry, I'll get you home, little missy. And he's like (laughs) driving her home. And then he like stops in the middle of the road, and he's like, but before I get you home, and he takes his keys, and he puts them down his shirt. Yeah, it was kind of like, like, give me a kiss. I thought, like, for like, are you gonna rape me? Like, what is this? This feels very very rapey. (laughs) Up until this point, there were a lot of things going on where he should have got a fucking clue. Hey, you know what? This girl's not normal. I better fucking get the fuck out of here. But no, your guy's an idiot. Like, and he she's kept, not. She's not normal, or she's not into him. Something. Yeah. Something <laughs> was up. Like, regardless, like something was wrong. Yeah. And like and this guy didn't have a fucking clue. No, he's an idiot. No, oh. he's just horny. She warms up to him though, because she starts kissing on him. She does, but then she bites his neck. Yeah. She's a vampire. Whoops. Okay, spoiler alert. She's a vampire. <laughs> She's a fucking vampire. They never say the word vampire, but she's a vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets bitten, and it's turning dusk, and she's or dawn, excuse me, and she's like, "I'm out of here." And so she hightails it down the road. He tries to start his car, and his car doesn't start right. So he starts running through the cornfields, and as the sun's coming up, like smoke is like billowing out of his clothes because he's yeah, like burnt in the awesome. sunlight. That is pretty cool. But uh, his dad, who's like a vet. Not a Vietnam vet, like a <laughs> like a veterinarian, <laughs> like a veterinarian. Excuse me. Um, his dad's a veterinarian, and he's like working on some cows. He's like, uh, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen some shit, and he's like, Dad, you're working on some cows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> working. <Right. on> some- <laughs> and and then his little sister's there, and she's like, Oh look, it's oh, Caleb. 
And then Caleb, uh, this fucking Winnebago comes up and <laughs> kidnaps fucking Caleb. Caleb! And they, they drive away. And then the little girl's like, oh, Caleb! Caleb! And she's like crying. Yeah, and then as soon as he's inside the Winnebago, like, yeah, it's uh, May, the girl, and like her kind yeah. of band of vampire buddies. And yeah. Bill Paxton's like immediately like, howdy, I'm going to separate yeah. your head from your shoulders. Hope you don't mind yep. much. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so the, the Winnebago comes around takes them away and the father and the daughter like the father and the sister are like running towards the winnebago and the winnebago just drives away so what'd you guys think <laughs> <laughs> so in inside the winnebago we have like basically the mother the mother and father figure the father figure is lance henriksen the mother figure is jeanette goldstein um then you got bill paxton who's just like the asshole like brother i guess yeah severin and then you got uh what's that kid's name joshua joshua john miller oh you know what you guys are did you guys recognize him yeah he's class of 1999 yep yeah we i think we talked about him in another episode too he also wrote the script for the final girls yeah he did really yeah Yeah. him and his partner yep yeah yeah he's a he's a pretty yeah, he's he's pretty big into horror too. I think like he does some stuff in in horror films. He's, he stuck around, that's for sure. Yeah, I remember that kid when I was younger, seeing him and stuff, and I always was like, the kid's not that good of an actor. But <laughs> anyway, um, he does all right. He does fine well enough. Um, but yeah, I did think about you, Alan, because I was like, oh, that kid's from class of nineteen ninety nine. So we got two both con- of these films. Yeah, two connections: yeah. nineteen eighty four yeah. and nineteen ninety nine. That's that's why I picked him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, he uh, Homer. That's who this Joshua John Miller plays. He's like the younger brother, but they're all vampires and they're all no relation to one another. But that's kind of the roles that they fit. So they pick up Caleb, and basically they're like, "You have to kill somebody, or we're gonna kill you." Mm-hmm. Like they really, they really want him to kill somebody. Like, <laughs> yeah, do it, do it. And and he goes like, he's like, "Fuck this!" And he tries to run away. And May's like, "You're not yeah. gonna get that far." And he doesn't. He gets yeah. harassed by a cop in a bus station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he tries to get really on the bus weird. and he's he's getting sick. Like he's he's jonesing. Yeah, yeah. Christina, what did you think about when the cop harassed him? Well, I was confused. Why was he so alerted that he didn't like his candy bar? Like that's what tipped him off when he was eating <laughs> the candy bar and then he like spit it out. He's like, "Hey, what's going on here? Hey, that thing's like, delicious. It's got that thing's got nougat. What's wrong with you? You don't yeah. like you don't like nougat?" He thought what he you, was like what are you, one of those guys who are allergic to peanuts. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> got a nut allergy. Oh. He thought he was like a drug addict. This was like this. I don't know if this was Texas or what, like, you know, rural Texas or somewhere. But, you know, you have these kind of like these like asshole sheriffs who kind of like if they ever see an oddball, if they ever see like somebody who is like not normal or somebody who's just they're automatically on drugs. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and he's yeah, like, and he was like, "What are you on?" He's like, oh, "You wouldn't believe me." Yeah. yeah. So this guy is just like kind of suspecting, you know. But he lo- he gives him three dollars. Yeah, he kind of pities him a little bit because he goes to the he goes to the ticket guy and he's like, you know, fourteen bucks, and he's like, you know, I only got eleven. So then, like the cop kind of pities him and gives him three bucks. He's like, he's like, you be a good boy and get home, you know, yeah. like. So well, he doesn't get that far because he starts getting sick. But he ends up back with May, and May's like uh, feels sympathy for him, so she lets uh, Caleb feed off of her, and so he feeds off of the. She cuts herself and lets him feed off of her, and that's kind of how it goes for a little while. Like he doesn't want to kill, so May does the killing. But I thought 
there was there was a cool moment here where she's talking about you have to learn how to kill, and then it shows how each one of these people do their killings. Mm-hmm. So like Homer will pretend like he is laying there dead off or hurt on his bike. Yeah, like he got hit by a car. Yeah. yeah. Someone comes and helps him, and then he kills him. Yeah. Uh, Bill Paxton. the easiest way to do it, too, I would imagine. Yeah, and Bill Paxton's like a ladies' man, so you know this he's is the, the most good... fun. He's got the bolo tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's out there, and he picks up some chicks, and he's like going out with them, and you know, ultimately he ends up killing them. We don't really see that, and then you got uh, um, Lance Henriksen and Jeanette Goldstein who just like pick up a hitchhiker. Yeah, and they end up trying to rob them. Uh, the hitchhikers do, and uh, they just laugh. We don't oh, see no. the, we don't see the end result though. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I was going to say. So I would imagine these events occur, and then we have more vampires, right? Well, or they just kill them. They just drain them of their blood. Because I think there's like this weird thing. Like, you can drain somebody of their blood and don't turn them into a vampire. But if you just bite them, I don't know what are, I don't know what the rules are. But basically... It doesn't really establish it. Mm-mm. No, and that's... Can I just say, I didn't like that about this movie, is that they didn't establish any type of vampire rules. It was very light, except for the sunlight. Yeah, like that was it. Sunlight was like the number one thing. Yeah. Well, I think they intentionally broke some of the rules too, because there's like a thing with crosses in the movie that's kind of just barely brushed upon uh, that crosses don't. Oh yeah. And like Um, even uh, Jesse's gun has a cross like in the handle. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So he he's really reluctant to kill, but they end up feeding on some uh, poor suspecting semi truck driver. Then they go to this bar. This is another cool scene in the movie. Oh, real the quick. The, the truck driver. He didn't want to kill him. Uh-uh. It was like the truck driver was kind of cool at first. But then he, it looks like he's almost going to like attack the truck driver. But then like he jumps out of the truck because mm-hmm. like he's just fucking sick. And then like the truck driver is almost like making fun of him a little bit. And then, yeah. and then that's it. It's like right when that happens, you realize, okay, truck driver is going to die because he, Turns out to be a jerk. Yeah. And then, like, he's and just then busting his balls. Yeah. yeah, he's just busting his balls. But yeah, Jesse is uh, just kind of innocent, really. Caleb. Or Caleb? Caleb. Caleb. Yeah, Caleb. Innocent. They go to this bar and uh, they decide to just wreak havoc on the bar. Another, like I said, a, a cool scene in the movie. That's my favorite scene of the whole movie. Yeah, probably mine too. And, and they wreak havoc and then james lagrosse i believe that's who it is uh he's a, I, I kept saying that's james lagrosse and my wife just looked at me like who the fuck is james lagrosse but he's a <laughs> he ended up doing he ended up doing um a lot of independent films after this huh. yeah. but uh i think he was in uh drugstore cowboy two years later he which, was one which of, character was he in the bar uh he was the one who gets away oh the matt damon looking the young guy? The young cowboy who gets yeah, away. Right. Yeah, he, he ends up being in Drugstore Cowboy, and then he does a bunch of independent films in the 90s. I like that one of the bikers in the movie was the same guy from Terminator 2, the biker. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. James um, Gross was also in Zodiac. Hmm. Uh, yes, that is correct. He gets away. He's the only one who gets away, and he goes to the cops, and he tells yeah. them what's going on. Well, meanwhile, the group, uh, the family of vampires have uh, holed up in some bungalow. Dude, can we talk a little bit about that bar scene though? Like, the, oh, okay, some sorry. of those kills are fantastic. Like, they slit like people's throats. Uh, Bill Paxton slits a guy's throat with the spurs on his boots. Yeah, that was, that was rad. Like, yeah, was yeah. and uh, they're like feeding on uh, everybody. 
Yeah, and they're like impervious to gunshots too, because uh, Caleb gets shot with a shotgun point blank range, and it does zero. Dude, to and him. why did that guy shoot Caleb? Like at that point, like Severin, like the Bill Paxton character is the guy that's <laughs> fucking with everybody and being a jerk, and uh, the, the bartender like points his shotgun, and you're like, oh god, he's gonna shoot Bill Paxton, and then all of a sudden you see Caleb get shot. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> the the <laughs> he same didn't, thing. He didn't do anything. Same thing with the uh, with the biker at the bar, like. Bill Paxton takes Caleb and like uses him, uses as, him a as a shield. shield. Yeah. So he punches him, but then he punches him again. Like, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Bill Paxton's like hit him again. Mm-hmm. Well, and then and then you got the waitress who came over and he just wanted an empty glass and she's like, "What's this for?" And basically they slice her neck open and they <laughs> yeah. And they're all acting like it's no big deal. Yeah, the they're kind of laughing and stuff, and then but, they, they burn well, the place they, down. Yeah, yeah, they they torch it. Everything they torch. Like yeah. if they're, when they were done with the Winnebago, yeah, they, they lit it on it. fire. These must have been really terrible people before they became vampires. Well, do you remember oh. when, they're, when they're torching the Winnebago? I think they even say something like, "Hey, remember that fire we started in Chicago?" Yeah, meaning the Great Chicago yeah. Fire, the eighteen. Yeah. The character of Jesse dates back to the Civil War. Yeah, he said he fought for the South. <laughs> He's yeah. like, we we lost. <laughs> we lost. So they go hole up in this bungalow, but meanwhile, uh, like we said, that, that young cowboy got away, so he told the cops, and the cops surround the bungalow. Well, Caleb let him go. Caleb could have killed him, but yeah, he that's, didn't. That's right, because Jesse's pissed. He's like, you fucked up, boy. <laughs> yeah. You didn't like that he didn't kill that uh, no, cowboy? Well, no, because he, well, he was like, that guy's going to go back to the cops, and they're going to find us, and he was right. I just, I really dislike characters in movies that are vampires and they're like, oh, I can't kill anybody. <laughs> Grow a pair. Grow a pair of Make things. Yeah. Do you not like uh, Jason Patrick in The Lost Boys? Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't like that. I mean, I, I know it's in all movies, but I think I just, I put myself in that place and I'd be like, if it was me, I would just do it. I would just <laughs> kill that motherfucker. You'd be a murderer. Yeah, I just... Ugh. You're just sitting there watching one kill him, kill him. I think the frustration. (laughs) I bet it's the frustration. It's not so much of like the movie itself. It's just like the frustration. Like you just want him to do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, and just it's like ripping a bandaid off. Once you do it, then it's like like, or like jumping into a pool. Once you get the crotch wet, then you then you're good. (laughs) You've had the balls and the shoulders. You're golden. Yep. So just kill the first one because then the next one's gonna be easy. (laughs) <laughs> um, they surround that bungalow though. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, the uh, there's like a big shootout, but Caleb helps them get away. Cause he runs out in the sunlight. Dude. And that's a cool scene too. Cause as the gunshots are coming through, like light is peering in and the lights are almost like lasers. Like when it hits him, like they, ca- they catch it's on like fire. Fright Night. Yeah. Oh. Awesome. Like at the end of fright night, when the, when the sunlight's poking through the window, um, or it's like Game of Death, Crew of Dojo Bar. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So Caleb hightails it to the van, and he gets the van uh, and and rescues everybody. Drives through the bungalow, uh, breaks down the windows, runs over a few cops, and so now like Jesse and Severn and everybody, they're kind of like, "All right, you're cool. Yeah, you're one. You of saved us. our lives. Yep, you're one of us." It's like it's basically like, hey, that situation you put us in. Thanks for getting us out. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, Caleb saves the day. It's like, well, no, Caleb, Caleb is the reason why all this happened, and that why yeah. we're all burnt to fuck. But they're all back in the hotel. They're all back in this hotel, and they're just hanging out. Well, meanwhile, Caleb's dad and sister have been driving around, you know, kind of Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas, looking for him. 
and uh, they're staying at the same hotel because. Do you know how big that radius is? <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, what are the odds? <laughs> I will say this though, like I, Christine and I have driven from here to uh, San Antonio before. And once you get past El Paso on your way to San Antonio heading east, there is absolutely not. There's like one hotel. So like the odds, nothing. the odds of staying at the same hotel might be pretty good if you're on the same road because yeah. you, only, you have very few options. Yeah. They're, they're in this hotel and Homer sees a little girl. Yeah, he goes out for a smoke. Yeah. <laughs> and he sees, he sees Sarah, which is Caleb's sister. And he's like, "Oh shit!" He's like, "What are the oh. chances?" Well, and here's, but he is Kayla, or is is Homer a pedophile? Because he's well, he's the oldest he's of the vampires. Kid. He's in a kid's body, but he keeps talking about how you don't know what it's like to be a man in a boy's body. And then he sees a little girl. He's like, "Well, hello, hello, little lady." <laughs> mm. I think it's more companionship, right? I don't, I yeah, it could be. I didn't think it was. I don't know. Sexual. I thought he seemed smitten. He was like, "Hey, everybody!" I think this he was is Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was smitten with the idea that there'd be another child. Okay. All right. All right. So maybe he's not a pervert. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go. I don't want to read too far into it, but you know. So they did. They did say he was the oldest. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So so he's the one who's trans transformed them all. He transformed May. I think wow. that uh, that part they they mention. Yeah. Oh, and he just met up with Jesse like they. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. They just hooked up. They're like, "Hey, are you a vampire?" Kind of like Third Rock from the Sun, where Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is the oldest. Yeah. There's a part of that movie that I thought was really funny is when um, Homer brings Sarah into the motel room. He says, uh, like, he introduces her or whatever, and she's like, "Ah, you guys sure stay up late." And like, (laughs) Bill Paxton just deadpan just says, "Yeah." He goes, "Yeah, we keep odd hours." (laughs) Just like real off the cuff. That was a very. Or they're like, "We're gonna watch TV," and he turns on the TV, and it's the. Yeah, like, like the oh, TV's shit. turning off, like the sign off. Uh, well, I guess they don't play taps. Or do they? <laughs> no, national anthem. <laughs> like, taps uh, would be just... awesome, though. <laughs> it's the funeral, it's the it's end like a, of the, the day, death of television. Yeah, the death of the day. <laughs> um, and he, he, but he's like, oh, we'll watch something, we'll find something, and she's like, nah, I gotta go. Um, and right at that moment, Caleb comes in and he's like, oh, that's my sister, and then his dad comes down. Because Bill Paxson goes and grabs the dad, and uh, they're like, we've been looking everywhere for you. Dude, quick thing on that dad. That actor in this movie, when it was made, he was 41 years old. Jesus, what? Like he was like 60. <laughs> right? What? Wow. Yes, Tim, Tim Thomason or something? Yeah, I looked it up. I was like, this guy was 41 in this movie. Either that's really good makeup, or like he's a, he just got old. Yeah, better than Roddy McDowell trying to be old <laughs> in uh, Fright Night with yeah. his powdered hair. Very powdered hair, yeah. <laughs> So uh, Caleb grabs his dad and sister and they actually escape from the vampires and they're on the road. And he says to his dad, who's a, a Vietnam veterinarian, he <laughs> says, uh, he, says uh, <laughs> he probably is a Vietnam vet though, right? Yeah, maybe. Like, Could be. <laughs> probably get drafted. Very, Unless very he was well one of those kids who had flat feet, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you notice during this scene? Yeah, bone spurs. Yeah. So the the sister Sarah, Homer meets Sarah, like she's at the vending machine, right? Yeah. And then she takes her in. Bill Paxton's character go, goes gets the dad. And then, you know, there's like, you know, there's like a conflict. Sarah opens the door. All of a sudden it's fucking daylight. The, yes. It, it Daylight happens instantly in this world. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, these vampires 
all of their activities always take place right before the sun comes up. They have yeah, very, yeah. very poor time management. Their timing is yeah. very bad. They're like, instead of killing at nine o'clock at night, we're going to go out at 445. Yeah, yeah. And every time they do something like, oh, shit, we got to get out of here. Sun's coming up in like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm more productive, like, I don't know, like morning to midway through the day. Yeah. Like, so their morning midway through the day would be like from what, nine to two in the morning? Mm. Yeah. Just the opposite, like of morning midway through the day. Yeah. For they've, me, got, right? they've got productivity yeah. issues for sure. Uh, they're idiots. They've only been doing this for 200 fucking years. You think they would have a fucking plan? But they almost fuck it up every night. Yeah, every <laughs> it's like every what, night it's part of the they rush. They have to find a vehicle. They have to they have to find a vehicle. They need black spray paint uh-huh. and things to cover up the window. Tin foil. Every night Aluminum they have to foil. steal a vehicle. Like, and they're the worst at like why? covering And they're the worst at covering up their murders, right? Because yeah. like they're constantly just reckless about it. Unless they want to get caught and they're just like flippant about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So the family escapes. But the vet, hold on. The veterinarian yeah. does a blood transfusion. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, Caleb's like, you ever do a blood transfusion on a human? And the dad's like, hmm. Just what? that one okay. time back in how, Nam. How does, he know to think, how does he know to think to do this? Because Caleb's smarter than we give him credit for. But So they blood transfuse him. They take like, all the. At the beginning of the movie, he's like the dumbest fucking character. And now he's like the fucking like smart. He like, wasn't oh. dumb. He was horny. All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you're horny, you do stupid shit. You get the lizard, they use, lizard they brains. Usually go, they usually go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. Know. All the blood escaped. <laughs> now, now that he's a vampire, he's like, I got time to think. I'm not yeah, as that, horny. That, that could be. He's probably very <laughs> smart now. I don't know. So he goes, uh, does a blood transfusion. Now he's normal. But he's back home, and the vampires know where the fuck he lives because they picked him up there at the beginning of the fucking movie. <laughs> but they all come back. May's like, "Why did you leave?" And he's like, "Well, I left because you guys are all fucking vampires, and I don't want to be a vampire." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, she, and she's like, "Your skin's warm now. Like something's yeah, was, something's up with you." That was a fucking scene. She was like, "Why did you leave?" And it's like, "Oh, uh, because you're gonna kill my dad and sister." Yeah, <laughs> you dumb bitch. <laughs> yeah, and you wanted me to commit murder in order to be part of your gang? Like, like not, this uh, is the blood. Why so would I not leave? <laughs> and we I, just met, and everyone except you is an asshole in this group. Yeah, and and you know you're not much better because like you fucking led me on, and like you and, know you and like, bit me the day I met you. God, <laughs> turn me into, there's a, there's a, turn into a goddamn reasons. vampire. It's like, even though I'm a fucking idiot and like, She's like all right, all right. I'm sorry. I asked the fucking question. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's like, it's like, even though I'm a fucking idiot and I don't know when no means no, like you should have just fucking left. Like, Hey, I'm a fucking vampire. You're screwed. I'm out of here. Yeah. I like you, but I'm out of here. You should have killed me or just given me a bite of your ice cream. Cone yeah, and you're a fucking tease and you had to lead me on. And here I am. You wanted to kill my family. Every Why the fuck would I not want to leave? They still haven't fucked at this point, right? He's like, after your first kill. <laughs> yeah, it keeps really... And then he finally does. He's like, all right, I've done it. And she's like, well, you know, I got a headache tonight. I'm yeah. very tired. I can't have, I actually, can't have I'm with Homer. I gotta, yeah, actually, yeah, Homer is my... <laughs> he's he's my bae. Speaking of Homer, Homer kidnaps Sarah. Yep. And uh, he's tussling with her in the backseat of uh, fucking station wagon. <laughs> <laughs> in the family truckster <laughs> yeah bill paxton comes out and bill paxton is uh playing chicken with a semi that uh 
Caleb's driving. Caleb hits him, thinks that he he was like really over jubilant about. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Bill Paxton climbs on the roof, and he's like, oh shit. But earlier in the movie, the tr- semi truck driver explained to him what jackknifing a semi was and how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's what he does. So Caleb makes the semi jackknife by putting on the front brakes before the rear brakes, and he jumps out of the semi just in time and then the semi crashes and blows up presumably killing i thought bill paxton was going to come out like later on terminator style yeah Yeah. but that didn't happen Mm -mm. so presumably killing him now you got lance hendrickson and jeanette goldstein they're driving a car after him but the sun's coming out again again. here comes the sun oh my god here comes the sun (laughs) (laughs) just got just got uh george uh george michael not George Michael. Oh, George oh, Harrison. George Harrison. Excuse me. I kept about to say George Michael. George Michael's there. He's like, fate. fate, fate. Hey. It's like, I got a great Here Comes the Sun cover. And you're like, nah, get the hell out of here. I don't want to hear it. Lance Henriksen, Jeanette Goldstein, they're getting attacked by the sun. They start frying up. And then they're just like, basically, they just resign themselves to the fact that they're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> they crash the car. They blow up to a Homer is also like Sarah gets away from Homer and he's running down the street and he's like, come back, Sarah, come back, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, oh, Sarah. <laughs> fucking guy. Uh, and he just and burst into flames while he's he running. He just like burst into idiot. flames and then he blows he up. Explodes. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, everybody's dead. And except then for, except for May. Like, yeah. Uh, Caleb, Caleb like threw like a blanket or something over. Her. Yep. And he takes her and then she wakes up in the barn and she's gotten a blood transfusion. Yeah, I think she was like, um, I don't like you making medical decisions for me. I actually liked being a vampire, you <laughs> <Yeah>. asshole. <laughs> I know. I would be, this would be like me and Christina. I'd be like, babe, I, I saved your life. You're not a vampire anymore. Yeah, I and took away your she, immortality. You're welcome. It's like, <laughs> you have I'm, no I'm more magical now. powers. <laughs> and you can die. Uh, um, I'd be pissed. <laughs> and then they embrace, and that's the end of the movie. Um, Christina, you're the guest. So we'll, we'll start with you first. I really did not like this movie. I didn't enjoy it. Um, <laughs> you didn't like it and you didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I was, yeah. I didn't like, I don't, I don't know how to explain this, but I didn't like the the idea of nomad vampires because that's what it kind of seemed mm-hmm. like to me. Like they were nomadic. Like they, traveling. They were always like going different places. They didn't have like a home base. I just, I don't know. I just couldn't get, I just couldn't get into it. I just, none of the characters really appealed to me. I didn't like Caleb. I really didn't like May. The only entertaining character was Bill Paxton. I mean, he was fun to watch. He was interesting. But other than that, I just felt like the story just wasn't, it was weird. I just didn't, I didn't like it. What'd you rate it? Um, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it a one and a half. Ooh, snap. I just, I didn't enjoy it at all. I can go next and I'm just going to echo what Christina said. I mean, we watched it together and we were pretty much like every five seconds, she would just give me the look of death. Like what the fuck are we watching? I did not like this movie either. I thought it was very poorly executed. I, I kind of, I kind of dig like Mace, the story, like instead of there being nomads, like I wish it would have been more like along the cowboy side of things, like a, like a, like a Western like Billy the Kid meets the vampire, like mm-hmm. that old movie, Billy the Kid versus Dracula or whatever. Like, I wish there would have been like a Western theme instead of it being like a modern Western set in modern times. It would have been cool had there been like this band of like 
circus performers who just so happen to like come through town and they're like uh, also vampires and I don't know. The most enjoyable part again was Bill Paxton. Uh, Lance Henriksen was okay. Mm-hmm. I thought he was pretty good. Um, but man, he's got a face only a mother could love, huh? <laughs> that guy has got a gruesome looking face sometimes. Well, I read in, uh, or I saw it in the Blu-ray uh, extras. He talked about how he kind of starved himself before the they started filming because he wanted to look really oh. emaciated oh. and he wanted like his bones to show. Uh, yeah, so he was very. And he, he this said movie. a couple of times, uh, like while they were filming, he's like, "I would do a scene and I'd like feel like really weak." And he's like, "Dude, you got to eat something." <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what Christina said. I'm gonna give it one and a half. I also like I I understand like the the score was uh, that fucking Tan- Tangerine Dream. Dream. Yep. Um, the score there, was Tangerine Dream is fantastic. Yeah, the score was pretty good, and and I think. Film wise, like it was made okay. Right. Like the quality of the like shot, the cinematography was okay. It was good. The directing, Catherine Bigelow, I think, did an okay job with the directing. I thought just the overall though, the movie, the screenplay, I thought it just was it was boring. Yeah. The best the best part was the bar scene. And I wish there would have been more of that. David, go ahead. Um, I kinda like this movie. There are <laughs> problems with it, obviously, but uh, the reasons why I like it is a lot of things that you just said. Like I liked the score. Um, I thought it was shot really well. I thought it looked, I had a good look to it. Um, it has some very memorable scenes like that bar scene. I thought was a blast. It has some really good gore, but not like over the top. There's quite a bit of blood in this movie. And then like when people, you know, when Bill Paxton looks out the window and the light hits his face, like half of his face like burns off. And then when he gets hit by the semi truck, like his head's like partially open. Um, and I thought that scene reminded me kind of of Terminator, like when he's on top of the the truck and yeah. he's like punching holes in it and he's ripping wires out. His character really is the highlight of the film. And then on the downside, he's so good that it really shows how weak some of the other characters are. Like yeah. Caleb is not a strong lead. Uh, none of the other characters are really interesting other than Lance Henriksen. Um, and then I thought the Diamondback character, they didn't really give her anything to do. She just kind of hangs out. Like she didn't really get like a big scene or like a, a an opportunity to kind of showcase like her violence or you know whatever she does. Um, but I did like the score. Um, I gave it a three. I still found it enjoyable. I mean, I own this movie. I've, I've seen it a few times, and um, it's one I would come back to you know every few years or so. Yeah. Gather around the campfire, kids. Like how it Jesus is. Christ. Alan's gonna talk for twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? It's all valid. So <laughs> this wasn't very well written. The dialogue was way too quick. Um, so they're just in the shootout in the bungalow, for example, they're just like shouting out one liners. It just didn't connect. So hey, I didn't think. Did you this... think Lance Henriksen in that shootout scene looked like Doc Brown in Back to the Future? Like when he, when he <laughs> yeah, tests the little, little model bit, car? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, of <gasps> But I mean, the, the dialogue just didn't. There was no flow to it among the characters. Like, it was just very robotic, almost. Yeah. All right? It wasn't very well written. It didn't have a good flow to it. Whoever wrote this didn't really... Catherine Bigelow. It just just didn't have a good, like... It it was just missing... um, It was just missing something with the writing. So, you know, I knock it down for that. And a lot of the logic in the film, like... Oh, and something else with, with the filmmaking. The editing was very poor. Um... You know, along with the writing, the editing, the sister sees the brother out in the field and he's burning, you know, 
And then she's like, Dad, look. And then it cuts to him. And then it cuts to the Winnebago coming around and picks him up. And then, like, the next scene, you see, like, the dad and the sister, like, running in their driveway. And it's just, like, it's just really odd editing. You know, there's no reaction from the father. And then when they're in the hotel room, there's no reaction from him. Like, what the fuck's going on? Like, who are these people? Like, it's just very, like... It, it's just not very good editing, writing, um, production. It's, you know, it's, it, there's no human reaction to this situation that's going on. You know, it's almost like the dad, like, believes vampires. Is. So, like, oh, my son's a fucking vampire now. I better give him a blood transfusion. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. he's never like, like, son, what the fuck's going on? Like, who are these people? What have you done to my son? What's going on here? You know, there's none of that. So there's nothing to invest in because the characters aren't invested. So, you know, you're just watching this movie. It has its moments. Like when the, when the Winnebago escapes, they don't, like they're running after it. Why the fuck are you running after a Winnebago that's like a mile away? <laughs> you know, you remember that scene? Like, so you would think like, holy shit, you know, there's my son in the field. He just got kidnapped. Let's get in the fucking car and chase after them. And then there's another scene with the dad. He's talking to law enforcement. He's like, what are you guys going to do about it? <laughs> and, like, the cops are sitting there on, like, the hood of his car. Yeah. And he doesn't even respond. And it goes to the next scene. And it's like, well, who the fuck is this cop? And why was this scene? Ha why does this scene have any importance? It just cuts to the next scene. So the editing, the writing, like, it was just a bad production. Hey, real quick on the editing thing. Yeah. David, David, you, uh, Alan, you didn't watch the Blu-ray, did you? No. Okay. Is it the same? It's not just our copy that we were watching, right? It's is it the same with that kind well, of choppy you, pacing? You know what's weird. I would looked at. I know what you guys watched, and it was an hour and twenty minutes or so. Because it was at one and a half times speed. Oh, is that why? Yeah, yeah. that's that's the only thing why. And uh, I caught on. Okay, okay. And I, I got. I can get over. You that. can slow it down. You can slow it down. That's yeah, what I did. Okay, I was gonna say because the theatrical version is a little bit over an hour and a half. I wanted it to end as quickly as possible. <laughs> There was so there boring. was another scene. Well, you know it's funny because there is a scene like where the the Winnebago like pulls into like a hangar, and in the actual version, the film is sped up a little bit, which I thought was weird, kind of Benny Hill style. So it probably yeah. looked really fast for you. But overall, the production just wasn't that great. So what'd you give it? Um, well, hold on, I'm not it's done not yet. Not done yet. Oh, um, one other one other thing to kind of go along. Well, that's uh, why I'm not done yet because you guys keep coming in. <laughs> what do you got? This what do you is got? The second time. Michael Bean was offered the role of uh, Jesse and he turned it down because he found the script confusing. So yeah. that kind of goes along with what Alan is <laughs> yeah. saying. Like the yeah, writing. No, Michael Bean, he's a smart dude. He knows. Yeah, he knows another scene with, and this is on the logic side of things. Another scene. He, so he's carrying his sister. They get away. He's carrying his sister in that fucking field. He falls down. The sister oh yeah. Falls. Tells her what, uh, the sister falls down. The sister he sa he says he tells her to run. <laughs> and then she's immediately so then she kidnapped. Runs and she gets taken in the car. Where'd the car come from? Where'd the car come from? And then he's like, Oh, like Well, even so, you're getting chased by a car. It kind of goes to your point about the Winnebago earlier. You're not gonna catch a Winnebago and you're not gonna outrun a car. A car's going to catch But he you. wasn't outrunning a car to begin with. No, and then the but car he, he just tries to tell her up. to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the car comes like out of nowhere, like yeah. out of thin air. Yeah. So, right. What'd you give it? 
despite all of this, though, it did have its moments. Um, I really liked Lance Henriksen's character over Bill Paxton's character. And Bill, Ka- Bill Paxton's character was, was pretty entertaining. But I really like Lance Henriksen's character. I wish we could have seen more of him. But we could have had a little more character background and just tighten up the story and tighten up like just the overall intelligence. Make the story less about Caleb, I think. I, if the story was less about Caleb and more about... The vampires are more interesting. Sure. Like the, the villains. Yeah. 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 But I mean, despite all that, I still give it a two. That's, that's a two overall. Yeah, it averages out to be a two. Uh, yeah, I... I, I kind of get what you're saying, and 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 I think like a movie like um, From Dusk Till Dawn, which has a majority of it take place in a bar, and there's a fight scene that lasts like half the movie. Yeah, they real they recognize in that movie like what the most interesting part of this movie is going to be, mm-hmm. and they prolonged it. Whereas in Near Dark, they had that scene, and it's like, wow, this is really cool, and then it's like ten minutes later, it's over, and you're back to the boring shit with Caleb. <laughs> May and I don't care about either one of those characters because I don't know enough about May to to care for her because I would have liked to learn more about her and why she doesn't want to be with this crew anymore mm-hmm. and I don't know enough about um, Caleb or what I do know about him is he's a, he's a jerk off that's so, all we know that's all we know goes to Alan's point so yeah there is that like uh, I know they were gonna remake it um, they canceled it because they said that it was too similar in conception with twilight there how is that even similar to twilight because it's a human and a vampire falling in love right because but did did they fall in love no i thought he just like shoved himself on her (laughs) well well, he gave her a blood transfusion and now she's stuck with him so her (laughs) character let me tell you something her character had no direction movie never established if she really liked him, you know, it was just like she seduced him, but then she wanted to get away. And she was like, you got to yeah. take me home before dawn. And then here's like, the it thing. was just here's very the, gray areas, very gray areas. Here's the thing about remakes is like when you remake a film, just because it was successful the first time and you're just doing it again, then that's the wrong reason. When you remake a film, cause you're like, there's a germ of a, an idea here yeah. that we could explore a, yeah, a new spin you can put on it then it needs to be done. This movie had a germ of an idea that you could expand upon things and you could take that basic idea and make a way better uh, movie. And so I think they should explore that. I would like to see that. Like I said, I would have liked to see more of the Western themed. I thought that would have been cool. Oh, something else. I I have no idea why they call this a neo-Western horror film. This is not a Western. No, it's not. But other other than the setting, you know, and I don't think people well, maybe the guns, right? Because they had the six shooters. Sure, I mean, you know, there there are there are there are samurai films from the fifties and sixties that are way more western than this, and that's where a lot of um, Italian directors and even American directors got ideas from westerns were from the Japanese films, those samurai films. That's where a lot of those westerns came from. This, this is not a western film, despite the filming location, the, despite it being out like you know in rural Texas or wherever it is. Oklahoma, they filmed a lot of it in Arizona. Arizona. I mean, you know, it, it's it's not fair for somebody to say, "Oh, this is a western" because it was filmed in Arizona or Texas or wherever. And it's just like, no, it, it at the heart, like. 
You know, it has to have a certain storyline. It has to have a certain element of like retribution or revenge. It almost felt like it was like a little bit Mad Max with vampires. I was like, there's, there's kind of a steampunk kind of element yeah. at times. Uh, very poor man's example, but I well, get what, I get what you guys more are than saying. A, more than a fucking western, right? No Country for Old Men is a western. That's a neo western. Yeah, this it's just it's just fucking it's Garbage. a group of vampires. And there's there's not there's no plot like there's no story like the story's lazy story's lazy and maybe the remake of it maybe they were going more along the lines of like a Romeo and Juliet with vampires and humans which would be more along the Twilight oh. side of things mm-hmm. but still like you could do it and Twilight Twilight was a romance movie they yeah. just so happened to have glittery vampires right and, yeah and they're not even like real good vampires they're like shitty. Um, <laughs> But you know what? I I've never seen the Twilight movies. I have no interest. But I would imagine they had a better. Well, you're really missing out because they're Well, they had. I would imagine they had a better establishment of those characters. Whereas this, you have May, who's just like a confused character. Yes. So you don't really know what what she's all about. That is and true. Then, like, and then you have Caleb right off the bat. You don't really like him. Well, and throughout the series of Twilight oh. movie, Twilight movies, because they are based on books, but throughout the series of twilight movies you get to know more about the main three characters and about their motivations and and who they are and you care for them um as as characters and see something else about the twilight movies at least they're based off of books you know they're they're written it's it's a written source material yeah so you have something to go by this was just kind of it was just poorly written yeah, well, it, you know, it's got an 88% approval rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which I don't see why. And it's got a 7.54 out of 10. And, you know, I, I can, under, I can, I, I can kind of understand why, because people love, you know, they love Bill Paxton. They love those, they love those moments in the bar. That's that's my whole that's my whole problem with it is when you say your favorite part about the movie is Bill Paxton. And I'm not talking about you, David. I'm even talking about myself. I feel personally attacked. My favorite, my favorite part is Bill Paxton. It's like, well, that's why he was successful in his career right. after this, right? Yeah. Oh, Lance Henriksen have a good career. And Lance Henriksen too. He had a yeah. good career. Well, if you have any opinions on Lance Henriksen or Bill Paxton or anybody else who was in any of the Aliens movies, <laughs> <laughs> um, please uh, give us, uh, drop us a line. How can they contact us, David? Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, the Slasher app, where the Swearwolves on all of those. We have the Swearwolves YouTube channel. We are on Instagram, where we are the Swearwolves podcast. You can go to our website, theswearwolves.com, uh, or you can email us directly at swearwolvespodcast at gmail.com. And I'd like to thank Christina for Thanks joining for us. Me. Thank you. Um, you know, it, not too often that we get a female point of view. Uh, in fact, I don't think we've ever had a female guest. Um, so it was quite enjoyable. So thank you for watching those movies and rating them with us this yeah. week. Um, so on behalf of the Swearwolves this week, I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. I'm Christina. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Fuck Trump.
I gotta go pee real quick. Can I go pee real quick? Yeah. Yeah, go. Ahead. Okay, cool. Ain't nobody can pee quicker than you, Alan.